I'm Drew Frampton, and for over a decade, I've been in the mortgage industry. In other words, I put people in debt for a living. My clients range from tech CEOs to mailmen, and it's given me the unique opportunity to see the financial underbelly of Silicon Valley. I spent the last month renovating my garage and setting up a podcast studio to give you an inside look of the Bay Area. I'm Drew, and this is my garage. What's up, everybody? Drew Frampton. We're here in my garage. We're talking about personal finance. I've got Devin Sheldon on the show here, <laughs> uh, and uh, I wanted to bring him on. He is one of those guys who you put him in a situation, he can figure it out. Uh, in college, he kind of just strolled into DW Drums, a huge operation. All the big bands, big names use him. Dave Grohl, uh, the drummer from uh, Chili Peppers, Red Hot Chili Peppers, a bunch of other people, Rush, um, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, and he walked in. You're a drummer yourself, is that yep. right? Yep. Walked in, basically said, hey, give me a job during the summer. And he ended up redesigning their uh, entire packaging uh, operation, saving them hundreds, thousands, millions, billions of dollars. Billions. Yes. Yeah, billions. Uh, <laughs> um, also, you've redesigned uh, a material company, a building material company in yep. Thailand, is that right? Yep. Um, and you work for DuPont today as a master scheduler. Perfect, yeah. Yep. Got it all right? Got it all right. Okay, cool. Thanks for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, and you recently got married. I did. I got married June 2nd. Okay, well, congratulations. Thank you, sir. Appreciate um, it. So, you know, one of the things that... I always find really intriguing uh, personal finance, right? Mm-hmm. It's very personal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you're single, you do your finances however you do it, probably a little bit simpler. Right. Uh, when you add in this additional person, Lauren, I mm-hmm. uh, probably have to reshuffle a few things and yep. redesign a couple of things. So tell me about that transition. Yeah, it's interesting. You have this very selfish, cent- like self centered version of like, this is what I want to spend my money on and how right. I want to manage my life. And then you get married, and that gets doubly complex. You got to uh, communicate, um, and yeah, it becomes a challenge. So um, I'm a very transparent person um, at work or with personal finances or with my wife. Um, And I kind of take the approach of saying, let's lay all of our cards down and let's get on the same page. All right. And. one of the ways to kind of structure it, because um, I want to sort of use this example as a jumping off point, is um, when you're ever dealing with a situation, you kind of do the who, what, when, where, why, how. So uh, somebody drew a diagram recently for me, which I really loved, and it changes the order of those questions. So the first question is why. Why are you doing what you're doing? So personal finance and this is applicable to anybody and it it changes with every single person or couple is why are you doing what you're doing? So what dreams or aspirations do you have for the scope of who you're talking about? So for the scope of me and Lauren, it would be, hey, we're married now. We've got things on the horizon like babies and kids and cars and um, And all kinds of, and another person. (laughs) So. Um, double the income, double the expense. Double the problems. Got to figure it all out, right? Double the solutions. Double the solutions. So um, we've, you got to figure out the why. Then you figure out um, the what based on the why. So you have 
a goal in mind, you've got a dream. Now, what are you going to do to accomplish that dream? So that kind of gives you the direction of like, well, you know, do we want to buy a house? Do we want to get rental income properties? Do we want to start our own business? How do we want to get to where we're going? So that kind of leads me into the how is personal finance, why we're here today. How do you get organized? How do you have this overwhelming um, sort of um, personal finance genre and how do you approach it? So, Well, and I think, you know, that's one of those things that's not only difficult, but Mm -hmm. it's fluid. I mean, Mm -hmm. you might have your budget today and it might be different tomorrow. It might Mm -hmm. be different a month from now. It might be different when you have a kid, when you get married, of course. Um, Different life events definitely change and shift Mm -hmm. your budget. I mean, when you're retired, your budget's probably going to look very different from, you know, when you've got teenage kids. Yeah. Um, So uh, definitely, I think making sure that that's fluid. And I think you brought up a good point of, you know, being transparent, sitting down and saying, okay, here's the good, bad, and the ugly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, show me yours, show, I'll show you mine kind of thing. Right. Um, and that's definitely something that's uh, healthy for a relationship. Um, let's dive into, you know, you were single, mm-hmm. your budget was, you know, here's the different expenses. Right. Here's my income. Uh, I don't have to ask permission for anything. Right. Uh, I can, you know. It's the wild west of times <laughs> yeah. for personal finance. Right, yeah. You just, it, no one's going to call you out on why did right. you spend X on this. Uh, so tell me, I mean, going from there to now being married, yeah. what's changed personally for you? So um, I might be one of the most boring 20 somethings okay. on, on earth. So luckily I wasn't buying Ferraris and right. uh, having like a million dollars worth of student loan debt. So um, pre-marriage, um, basically got out of college. Um, I had taken economics courses and was kind of just getting my feet wet. So I started using a app called Mint. A lot okay. of people are aware of it. There's also Personal Capital. Uh, there's a ton of those apps that basically you input all of your personal finances and it spits out kind of a budget for you. So that was sort of my first time of laying out a budget as a single guy. So having done that, I used those apps for four or five years. So I got to the point where even pre-marriage, I knew exactly what I was spending money on. I knew exactly the ranges of food, rent, cell phone bill, you name it. So that's important because Mm -hmm. I mean, from month to month, there is a seasonality. There's kind of unexpected mm-hmm. things that come and go. Um, you know, we were talking about before we started taping. You know, the vacation budget. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't go on vacation every month, right? Maybe not now, um, but you know, you want to kind of allocate some funds to go to the budget, right? Um, so that when you do take this big expensive vacation, right, you're not feeling guilty. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so now that you guys are married, mm-hmm. you had all this. Um, data from mm-hmm. when you were single, when, when you guys got married or probably planning up to it, leading mm-hmm. up to it, you guys sat down, how did you guys structure it? You know, mm-hmm. hey, I'm going to be the finance person. Will you be the finance person? Right. Will we as a couple be a finance person? Um, you know, how did you guys allocate how much money they can spend before mm-hmm. you got to ask questions yeah. and all that? So Yeah, right. it's a sensitive topic. Um, it's interesting, every couple's different, and I think a lot of times you're never gonna have this equality, you're never gonna 
very rarely have like two right accountants 50, 50, who know right? it, who see the world exactly the same way right. and have no issues. So, um, luckily, um, I picked a wife that is very frugal and spending, and isn't a shopper, isn't a spender, and um, one of the challenges I uh, we have to overcome is basically she's not a big math and finance person, whereas that is my bread and butter. So. Um, the way our sort of dynamic is, is um, I sort of took the lead on structuring things, kind of keeping track of things, but we keep a um, sort of partnership in the fact that on a monthly basis, we'll go over the numbers together, we'll agree on our budget together on what we're spending money on, and then um, you know, once a month, we will sit down and say, hey, how did we do? And is that a scheduled time, or is it just kind of, hey, beginning of the month or the yeah, end of the month? It's, it's probably loose. About that time. It's loose because what we do is we measure from month to month. The first of the month, I'll run the numbers. So, you know, after work, sometime when we're not busy, that first week um, of being um, done with loading the personal finances, I'll take an opportunity and for 15 minutes, 30 minutes, we'll sit down and kind of review the numbers together and say, so hold on one sec. So you said so you're gonna put everything together in a spreadsheet, mm-hmm. so it's all prepared, mm-hmm. and then with this prepared report, you guys right. sit down together and look at it, kind of at that thirty thousand foot view. Exactly. Okay. And then we sort of, you know, since I'm kind of running the numbers and I'm a data guy, I'm an engineer, um, I can sort of give my two cents sometimes initially and say yeah you know we we did x y and z this month we got married we paid for a honeymoon obviously we're uh, the budget's kind of blown this month we'll have a better month next month and then you know if we get a windfall we get a bonus we get x y and z Mm -hmm. uh we'll say hey you know good month or i'll jump in and say tell me what you see because Mm -hmm. i think it's really important in a relationship to have financial literacy between both people absolutely um you know kind of a dark thought to to mention but you know if i were to ever get hit by a bus or something i would want her to be able to step in and feel comfortable knowing that she understands where we're at and can kind of handle herself so absolutely yeah i think you know there are people out there who just say you know let me know how much i can spend and that's it I right i want to know any more than that right okay so let's dive in um on a day-to-day how do you how, do, how does lauren spend their money mm-hmm. um talk to me about you know credit cards allowances mm-hmm. and so forth cool so we have our monthly budget we kind of know what we're going to spend money on um the way we sort of structured it is um like i i don't while I think having a budget is really important, I don't mm-hmm. want there to be some sort of stress or to feel like there's like a rigid leash that one person has on the other in a relationship. So okay. um, what we've done is um, we have sort of like a three credit card system. So we each have our both individual credit cards okay. and then we have a joint account for the majority of our spending. So the majority of our monthly bills, cell phone, internet, you name it, go to that one main joint account and that has like a good rewards on it so we're making a bunch of points for vacation or whatever then we have um her credit card and my credit card for gifts personal shopping if she just wants to buy something and doesn't want me to know about it 
cool. I won't for see thirty days. Yeah, <laughs> I won't see. Yeah, what it is. Right. I will see eventually what the charge is. Right. And then all three of those credit cards sort of pull from the same checking account. So um, that's kind of a nice way where for the, the majority of the bills and mm-hmm. for the majority of um, what we're looking at, that can kind of be the main card, and the rest can. Um, sort of come from the the gift accounts. So then from that, then we have um, kind of a nice setup where we know what we're spending, but we we have sort of separation. There's a good healthy distance in a relationship where we're not smothering each other, but we're still kind of... So are you reviewing, are you reviewing your, um, uh, are you reviewing her uh, credit card account? Uh, like line the only, by line? No, I really don't. Amount? I just go look at the total. I don't, I mean, we rarely even use them anyway, and I wouldn't, just out of giving her privacy, I just go in. I'll even ask her sometimes, like, hey, what's your balance on the first of the month? So then we can just input that into the spreadsheet and know how we're and doing. And be done. And be done. Okay. So if it's, you know, I'm assuming, you know, if it stays within whatever the average amount is... No questions yeah, asked. Yeah. Hey, it's two grand higher. What did you buy? Yeah. I bought you a If 200 grand's what? missing, I ask, yeah. where's the Lambo? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, that seems pretty fair. Yeah. So uh, basically, if I understand correctly, what you get, the way you guys have structured this, essentially, uh-huh. you've got your joint account that spends most of your guys' money, and that's for utilities and insurances and all the things that, you know, as a couple, you guys spend. Right. And then you each have your own personal credit card, and those are kind of like almost like a slush fund in a way, uh-huh. right? Like you're buying, you know, lunches out and a few other things, but right. it's really, it's a much smaller balance on right. the end of the month. And basis. it's supposed to kind of give a little bit of like privacy. So that you okay. don't have to buy a gift and worry that the other partner is going to see the transaction and the history and the and the prizes, you know, the the surprise is going to be ruined. And or if if she wants to buy whatever for her, you know, a dress, a this, a that, right. and it's kind of baked into our shopping budget anyway, I really don't want to see it. I want her to have the mental freedom and stress-free to be like, I can pay for this and we don't have to kind of micromanage each other. Gotcha. So there, there is an allowance and you guys each have a certain amount and maybe it's um, a, a rough approximation. Then it's kind of a rough point. approximation. Okay. I'll throw in a shopping budget and some, some months we won't buy anything. Some months we'll buy you know more than the budget, but mm-hmm. I sort of factor it in so that I can get a good estimate for And an then annual. you divvy out, let's say for easy math, there's a thousand dollars on one of your guys's personal credit cards. Uh-huh. You say, "Well, five hundred of that was this shopping spree we went on," and you throw that under the shopping budget, or is it all under thousand dollars went under the personal slush fund? Um, so I don't, I don't really. Um, we can get into sort of the granular how I'm looking at transactions later, but you know, from my experience using looking at those transactions for like four or five years, mm-hmm. I kind of know um, just by experience what our budget is. I think a lot of people who are starting out, that's the hardest hurdle to get over sure. um, is like, what what do I spend on gas every month? I don't know how many times I fill up the tank of gas. I don't know how many dresses I buy per month. So right. how do I how do I even get to a budget? Um, how many dresses do you buy a month? More than I want to admit to, but um, 
eventually you get to a point where I have a level of comfort to know, um, like I know a good month from a bad month just by, um, my own mental, um, kind of keeping track of things. But that is a good point though to bring up because that's that's one of the hardest things to do fresh out of college is to start knowing what your budget is and how to keep track of it. Yeah, absolutely, um, absolutely. Let's let's change gears a little bit. Let's talk about you know as a couple. Mm-hmm. I know Brendy and I. Um, you know, I'm a big goal person, uh, goal oriented for sure. I love sitting down. Um, it's almost an inside joke for the two of us and talking about goals. Uh, mm-hmm. For the both both of us as a couple and individually, and obviously, a lot of goals not all, but a lot of goals have some kind of money aspect to them, mm-hmm. and there's some kind of investment. Um, and the longer you go out, obviously, there's more that has to do with money and the way you guys are going to spend your money and right. make your money and all the different things, right? Uh, so, talk to me about how you and Lauren have done that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it gets to like a philosophical, like, what do you want your life to be? What do you want that to look like? What is, what's your goal? So an example for Lauren would be, uh, you know, she works as an occupational therapist right now, but she'll someday be an awesome mom. When that kid rolls around, she'd love to work part-time um, and then be part, you know, and then do the mom for the rest of the time. So. One of the hurdles that we'll have that's on the horizon is, you know, let's cut her income basically yeah. in half. So less income. Um, yeah. And then I've got I've got a pickup truck that's got 275,000 miles on it. And eventually I'm going to have to replace that. So basically the process is where do you want to be and what are the obstacles and hurdles on the horizon um, right. within the next, you know, we honestly do the next few years like what should we be preparing for now so that when it comes we're not stressed out about it if my car breaks down we're not gonna stress like oh woe is me i can't believe my car broke down we're gonna say hey yeah we were prepared called it called our shot that's why we saved for a new car so we're ready He's an Eagle Scout as well, yeah. so he's always prepared. Yeah, be prepared. <laughs> um, okay, so you guys um, forecast out, plan out, mm-hmm. get your goals as mm-hmm. far as, okay, you know, Lauren's now going to work part-time. We're going to have a child in the next X amount of years. Um, obviously, to me, that's the most fun part of mm-hmm. a budget. Uh, it's not very fun to pay bills, mm-hmm. right? But for me, goals is huge. Um, so planning out those goals and then you guys you know, walk me through the process. I'm assuming you kind of reverse engineer and say, okay, well, that's going to cost us blank. Right. And we've got X amount of years to make that money or right. structure our life that way. Right. So we'll do like our top five goals. So our top five goals, obviously, we already went over this. You know, her working part-time, mm-hmm. kid, truck, you name it. And then we'll say... And you put up like some savings accounts or like right. some kind of... Uh, additional lines for right. that in your budget? Right. And well, so here's the interesting thing. It's not just like putting away the money because putting away the money is easy. Um, now we sort of get into like what's going to be our biggest problem financially mm-hmm. moving forward. And um, I'm a big cash flow is king kind of guy. I'm a big, um, I don't want to be a Walmart greeter when I'm 100 years old. Like I want to be able to 
you know, retire and know that when I have a kid, I can pay for diapers. And if I lose my job, I've got other streams of income other than my salary. So um, I'm a big like income. We need to figure out a way if Lauren goes uh, part time, how are we going to supplement that income, especially in the Bay Area when you've got one of the most expensive places on earth to live? Right. So um, that sort of has steered us towards um, for the short be- time being away from our own mortgage to um, income properties. Because if we buy income properties, then once that is paid for in full, that's a monthly income stream that we don't have to worry about. So um, doesn't matter whether we buy our own home or buy an income property. The problem is kind of the same is you need cash to make these things happen, right? right? So um, we take a look at our what we make minus what we spend and then say, okay, this is how much cash per month we can generate. Right. Well, and there's two sides of that coin too because uh-huh. – one, obviously making a lot of money solves a lot of issues in the right. budget category, right? In the planning category. But also, like you said, you know, the frugality and keeping things, you know, mm-hmm. on that kind of low basis, then maybe if you don't have the Lamborghini sitting in the driveway, you might be able to work less, bring in less, right. and still have the same standard of living right. if you're comfortable with that standard of living. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you're not thinking that you're gonna eat top ramen all year long but right um you know maybe you're, you don't really care if you've got the newest and fastest car yeah and i think a question that a lot of people in their 20s and 30s have to kind of answer is like what are you willing to sacrifice where are you a stickler where you want to splurge and what can you kind of um tighten the belt on right. as a person so for example I am totally cool with driving a truck that's got almost 300,000 miles on it and it's right. got every dent in the book because <laughs> I know that uh, I can bump into something and not care. Right. I can move my stuff. Um, my car doesn't depreciate. It actually appreciates at this point in time. Yeah, and it's a truck, yeah. so it's got some utility. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's funny too, and that's a good point, is buying a new car is pure consumption because yeah. your old car works just fine. Right. And if it doesn't, then get a new transmission right. and keep driving it for another 100,000 miles. Right. Um, so, I mean, as long as people are aware that oh, I need a new car every three years, mm-hmm. okay, great. But that's, you know, however much thirty, fifty thousand $50,000 that you're spending on a brand new car, maybe even more, um, that you don't necessarily have to. You just yeah. are going to be driving a less than new car right and if you're comfortable with that great that's an extra however many thousands sitting in the bank whether you get a loan or you buy it outright mm-hmm. there's still that monthly um, funds that you have to either save for or repay a debt yeah so to build off of your point like um, the other side of the equation like expenses like we are we are very good at not spending a lot of money on cars, not spending money on um, rent. We have a, a small one-bedroom apartment right now. Obviously, that's going to change when we have a kid, but we're we're working on that. Um, something that we, as a couple, are willing to splurge on is fitness. And I'm a big guy. And as far as like thinking about long-term, I think that's one thing that I don't think you should necessarily cut too much back on. Sure. Um, if somebody's got a like a physical fitness routine 
um, that they really enjoy and maybe it's a little more pricey, those long-term investments in yourself will help on the tail end when, I don't know, you're 60 and you don't have as many medical bills because you're in better shape because you spent the money up right. front to take care of yourself. You bought good food, mm -hmm. you you know, you got the proper amount of sleep and exercise right. and all those things. Right. You're not going to have necessarily the same kind of maintenance required. Then. Right. So we'll spend a good amount of money on, you know, quality food and quality fitness and we'll tighten the, the, the belt elsewhere. So... Gotcha. Um... Eventually, once you kind of, as a couple, prioritize what's important to you, not only with the big things, but also with the month-to-month, -month, um, what you want to spend your money on, then it's, it's a pretty simple equation after that point. You have your income, what you make at your job, mm -hmm. minus what you've agreed upon as a couple for expenses, and then that's your net income. Mm -hmm. um, another way, important thing to, to think about, too, is your savings rate. So... Your, it's basically just a percentage of what you make and how much you can keep. So <laughs> okay. on a monthly basis, we make, for simple uh, math, like $100. So if we make $100 and all of our expenses are $60 to live, to pay the bills, etc., and we have $40 over, then our savings rate is 40%. So on a monthly basis, what is that? I think that's important to know just because... If you've got a negative savings rate, mm -hmm. you're probably not living within your means, right? right. And if you have a 100% saving rate, you can retire right now and you right. don't have to work. So it's important to um, just understand where you stand I'm, with that stuff. I'm looking up right now to see what the um, average for the typical American is. And it's probably going to be pretty depressing when you look at it because... As Americans, it's probably not the greatest number in the world. Okay, so top one says the personal savings rate in the United States amounted to 2.4% in 2017. Yeah. It was 10.4 in 1960. Yeah. So it's so, going down. <laughs> yeah, it's going down, and everybody's got a different situation. Um, and this is, um, I will say that right now, like, not to divulge specific numbers, but we're north of 50% right Good. now. So, yeah. um, so you're, you're putting in the time. You live in a one-bedroom apartment. You uh -huh. have a shitty truck. Yep. <laughs> yep. Proud um, of it. <laughs> um, you splurge on a couple of things that you feel like are important. Right. But you're, you're just putting away as many nuts for the winter as you can. Right. Um, and that's awesome. Yeah. And, and as long as both of you are fine with that, mm -hmm. right, then you're happy. Yeah. Right? Um, and I think, you know, getting into the f philosophical kind of question of what makes you happy, mm -hmm. answering that, right? Mm -hmm. Hey, I like drinking $100 bottles of wine. Okay, right? Yeah. Well, if that's you. can you afford it, right? Yeah. Are you saving 2.4 or 10.4 or 50.4? What are you saving, right? Right. Um, and living like that. But maybe you, you, you know, drive a really shitty truck or uh -huh. maybe you, uh, you know, live in a tent. I don't right. know. Uh, but keeping the things that you like mm -hmm. uh, in order and everything else, you can kind of yeah. let go. Well, and that's the foundation because you start small at this granular level of saying uh, the X's and O's of a, a specific month. Right. Once you're done with that, once you have your budget, once you know your income and know your savings rate, 
then it just becomes multiplication. Right. Then instead of doing a month, then you just multiply by 12 and say, well, how will we do in a year? And right. then where will we be in five years? Right. Um, and then that sort of answers the harder question to answer is, are we on track to accomplish the things that we talked earlier about down the road? Right. If you multiply out for a year, then you can say, how many months is it going to take? If we can save... You know, to to use the example again, if if we're saving forty dollars per month and we want to buy those two bottles of wine for two hundred bucks, forty times five months is going to be two hundred dollars. In five months, we can pay for that, right. or we could pay for it on a credit card. Right. And and that's the thing and we have do. yeah. This is the American way right. is to put it on a credit card and then pay twenty percent a month. Well, and, and then, that, what's crazy is you are part of that two point four, and you're just. Weighing it, you know, yeah. it, there's people that are in the negative and oh, people yeah. that are in the positive and we get to 2.4 Absolutely. Average. So one thing that I think um, is interesting, and maybe we can just talk about this for a quick second. Uh -huh. um, what I see a lot of is uh, just in life, you know, you get used to whatever is the status quo. Right. Right. Um, and then it's not that exciting anymore. Right. And then there's like this next thing, this next level. And what happens is your budget continues to increase if mm -hmm. you don't consciously look at that. Yeah, you need to trim the tree every now and then and yeah. say, does this really, is this, you know, reoccurring charge really worth it or not? Well, and I think, you know, for me at least, one thing Brendy and I talked about that I think was interesting mm -hmm. is I like nice clothes. I like, you know, uh, more quality clothes as opposed to quantity. Mm -hmm. um, but there's so, I mean, I had probably 10 pairs of pants and right. I wore two. Right. Maybe three. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we just got rid of 70% of our closet. Mm -hmm. uh, we spend more money per item, but mm -hmm. we have less items now. Uh, it's crazy how not only is it cheaper for us, mm -hmm. there's less loads of laundry, there's you know less space, so we don't need as big of a house. Because mm -hmm. you know a couple of years ago we were talking about, gosh, we need to get a bigger, bigger house. Mm -hmm. You know we have this tiny 1950s home. We're in the garage. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and, and the closets are small. We we need to get a, a bigger house so we can get bigger closets. Yeah, that's, that's an expensive wardrobe if well, you're buying a house purely. To build on your point too, like and you're putting less stuff in a landfill. Yeah. So. Uh, so we had the, the same economy. <laughs> yeah, we had the exact same thing. Um, I don't know what was there a specific catalyst of a point where you said like, "This is we're going to start." Honestly, it wasn't even money; it was time for us. Really? Yeah, it was just you know folding more clothes right. and constantly you know having to put things in boxes because uh -huh. you you know you expect because we just you know there's a, it's a just your average closet and there's mm -hmm. two people. Um, and you know, you've got your jackets and I've got my work clothes and right. my weekend clothes and my athletic clothes and, yeah. oh, I need those pants when I do my, uh, you know, outdoors, you know, gardening or something. Mm -hmm. So you got all these little things and you go, I don't really need half of this stuff. Right. So right. that was the reason. It was mostly just time. So money. But we, uh, as a byproduct, the money came. Yeah. So our, our sort of like jumping off point to that was actually watching a documentary and it was called The Minimalists. Okay. And I, it's a high, highly recommend it. They go to the extreme. So these guys are off on the deep end, but it's about two guys who were working on Wall Street, had Lamborghinis, everything, were making well over six figures, and they were just like not happy. 
Gotcha. And I, think then, I, I think I watched this. Yeah, and then uh, eventually one of them got down to I have forty po- like possessions on me. I have a jacket. I have shoes. I have socks. They're These not married, are, by the way. Yeah, Lock they're kids. not married. So <laughs> there's a little uh, caveat there. But um, we watched that, and then we just were like, wow. You know, framing it into the the perspective of walk in front of your closet and ask the question, uh, which one of these things uh, make me happy? And what have you not worn in six months? And we've sort of um, changed our approach to where my sort of rule of thumb is one. So you get one of something. You get one super nice jacket. You get one really nice pair of shoes. You get one sort of way to treat yourself but keep that thing for as many years so then it kind of changes the dynamic instead of just saying like oh i'll just buy another jacket or buy another jacket you say okay you start looking at things and saying i don't want to keep adding things to a landfill what's the thing i'm going to like the most right. and you really take your time and you start right. getting kind well, of super spend picky a lot of money on a jacket and we're talking you know a nice jacket's going to cost mm-hmm. you a couple hundred bucks right right so you really take your time, you mm-hmm. find the best jacket, and that jacket might last you 10 years. Yeah. As opposed to just buying some fast fast, fast fashion right. uh, jacket where, you know, you put it through the wash and it explodes. Yeah, yeah. Um, not so then you, like, you, your priority, <laughs> I know this gets super boring, but then your priorities change too. Like, you're like, well, how well is this made? Right. Is this going to rip? Is yeah. this easy to repair? What material is it made out of? Is that going to last? Is this the kind of style yeah. as a person that yeah. I'm going to grow out of or not? You know, it actually goes back to this minimalist um, uh, video, and I think it was in this video. If not, mm-hmm. I'm sorry because it's been a while. Uh, we didn't talk about this. Mm-hmm. So, uh, But I think there was somebody that says, you know, the key to minimalism is actually not to be less materialistic but more materialistic. Right. As in actually focusing on quality materials. Right. You buy less then because the materials are going to last longer, um, and you know you're going to have uh, more use and enjoyment out of mm-hmm. it. It's going to be more expensive, but you won't have to have as many. Yeah, and I mean we took, I think to uh, had a similar situation to your experience where we took two truckloads full of stuff to Goodwill and women's yeah. shelters where we were just like, I don't use any of this. This is a junk. And right. then it kind of changes your dynamic with family too yeah. because we're about to enter the holiday season. And it changes to where you start going to people and saying, instead of, and here's kind of like a top tip, instead of buying me a stunt, a bunch of stuff that I'm probably not going to like, right. let's go and as a family, instead of buying each other gifts, let's go all in on like an experience with each other. Cool. Let's go out to a super fancy dinner. Let's go, you know, whatever right. activity yeah. you guys do let's go big on that and then we don't have to sort of guess at what your specific right like is it going to end up at goodwill in two years yeah sit in a closet until then um yeah i think that's really really um a good way to go if you like your family yeah yeah (laughs) right (laughs) um but no i mean uh, brendy and i definitely you know let's go out for a birthday right Uh instead of me trying to buy you something read your mind yeah um but yeah i think a key to thinking through if you truly want to spend retail on something Mm -hmm. is think about trying to resell it Mm -hmm. after the fact on craigslist Mm -hmm. and there's the true value there's another thing to 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 kind of 
add to your point is like I like I I have uh, an example being like my pair of boots I bought and mm-hmm. what I did is I looked at those boots and I shopped every boot brand possible and I got to the point where I knew exactly which pair of boots I wanted and then I put it on a Google Doc and I put the link and the price in it and I waited and I I like I I know this is really boring but I forgot about it and then six months later I looked at that same link and I was like damn I really still like those boots like it, they like they they held the test of time like I would still buy those and then eventually I was like you know if they're really well made they'll last me 10 years I'll well wear them a couple You're times a week probably I'm, done growing at this point yeah okay yeah so I know like I know I'm gonna get the mileage out of them these this is my one thing and that's maybe a good like measuring stick right and to uh, add on top of that is then you wait for the sale then you're like okay i know i want this it stood the test of time now i'm going to wait for this company to put on a sale and not only am i going to get this expensive thing i want i'm going to get it on a discount right yeah and i i mean even if you've got plenty of money i would Mm -hmm. suggest shopping at thrift stores and other places Mm -hmm. purely just the experience of realizing Okay, what is this piece of cloth that's been sewn in a foreign mm-hmm. country really worth? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that's huge. Um, let's kind of you know wrap up and, and talk for a quick second here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've talked about goals, we talked about minimalism and materialism. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, for you guys, what's been maybe one thing that's just oh my gosh, it's the absolute best thing that we ever did, or mm-hmm something that we did really poorly and here's maybe the way we fixed it Ooh, that's a good question throwing a curve that's a really good question what's the best thing we ever did i want to give a good answer to this (laughs) we really haven't had many super negative things um i'll say this is our super negative thing okay and uh we won't uh we may not disagree. We may, as a couple, disagree with this, but this kind of comes into the compromise thing. Yeah. So we talked about my truck recently and how like I love having a crappy truck I can drive into a wall and right. not care. Right. Um, and this goes into priorities. Right. Like Lauren, for example, had a 1993 Toyota Camry for. 25 years i mean it it stops becoming a financial decision and eventually it started becoming an emotional decision like i deserve this like i've had to go through the ringer to um put up with this crappy car that always breaks down for a while um there's also sort of a feeling of adulthood like i'm i now i now feel somewhat embarrassed to show up to events or to have people in my car if it keeps breaking down and stuff. So one example is we recently bought a, a more newer car than maybe my personal taste. Uh, we bought, it's 20, it was 2017 at the time, we bought a 2013 RAV4. And it was much more car than I ever wanted to buy. Right. But um, we sort of compromised and I was able to kind of help her in the decision and shop for it and feel better um and you know it's it's what's one of those things where you sort of measure out is this going to help sustain this person like you have to pick your battles in a relationship and a budget and say this is obviously even though i'm not a big car guy to her this is important to her this is really going to make her happy we can still afford it it's not going to break the budget and if it lasts 
you know, 10, 15, 20 years, it really won't in the long term be a bad financial decision, even though it feels like we're running like money off of a cliff to me. So you have to sort of have this internal dialogue of what's important. Yeah, there's a great, I think it's Louis C.K. has this stand-up joke about how he drives a fancy car. It's not extremely Mm -hmm. fancy, but it's a fancy car. Mm -hmm. Um, And he says basically he could buy a Hyundai and, you know, he'd have X amount of money and he could go and donate that. Right. And uh, that car's great and would work just fine. Yeah. Uh, But he doesn't do it. Yeah. And so I think there's a lot of um, ways that you could either justify or not Mm. justify a car purchase. At the end of the day, you know, there's always going to be some kind of compromise to Mm -hmm. say, this is what I want. Uh, Is it a little bit more than what's needed? You could take a bus tour. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I think, you know, you don't need two cars necessarily. Maybe you only need one. Right. We have two cars. I yeah. drive five minutes to work. I mean, I could take my boosted skateboard, but yeah. uh, I've got a car. And I have right. an SUV, and there's one person in it most of the time. Right. So uh, it's not necessarily practical, but it's what I want, and yeah. I've made that conscious decision that that's what I want. Yeah. Um, to answer your question in regards to the best thing, um, it's a really good question. I don't have like a one. Um, specific financial tip like you're going to make a hundred grand if you do this or that um, <laughs> but I will say that I think our communication style is probably our best asset to us right now like we're we're very open like and if if I constantly ask Lauren like hey you know if this isn't if this isn't where you want us to go as far as like what your dreams aspiration is or or if you disagree with a certain budget thing or whatever it may be, like now's the time to talk to me, to be honest, like I can take it. Mm-hmm. The The truth is, is like, I think you and I have talked about this before. One of the biggest challenges is to any relationship or marriages, most people uh, get divorced based on like finance is like right. number one. Right. So to be on the that same sucks. page, yeah. Finance and sex, get those two things right. So finance, like, you know, I think it's super important to make sure that you're not being overbearing or like kind of bulldozing the other person to the point where they don't feel comfortable or they don't feel like they're a part in um, the picture or the decision making. So I think that that alone is the one thing that I think makes uh, makes me very optimistic for our financial horizon in the future. Just because we know, like, we're both on the same page. I would be shocked. If, if she was unhappy with something and came out of left field and was really upset about something because right. we talk about it so much and we're so honest with each other about it. Right. So That's huge. Yeah. I mean, just in relationships in general, whether it's finances or not, right. communication is, I think, uh, something that if you have, you're going to go far. Yeah. So, that's awesome. Devin, thanks so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Drew's Garage. Be sure to like, subscribe, share, comment, or do whatever you do best, and I'll see you next time.